Amen. Um, 1 Kings chapter 19. If anyone wants to follow along with me, I want to um, share some stuff. I've been, uh, I've been reading about Elijah um, last week or so in my, my own daily readings, and I want to read from 1 Kings chapter 19 and just talk about, yeah, different stuff. Now, Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me be ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to be a Sheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. I, the Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel. And anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel Moloha to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael. Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. Um, I'm sure we would all agree that Elijah is one of the superheroes in the Bible. Um, he's one of the great men of faith. 
Um, here is a guy who, uh, his prayers have so much authority that he can shut up the heavens for three and a half years and then he can pray again and the, the heavens open after that three and a half year drought. Here's a guy that raises the dead. Here's a guy that calls fire down from heaven. Here's a guy who sees a nation turn back to God. Here's a, a guy who knows supernatural provision. Just an incredible uh, man of God. And yet the book of James tells us that he is a man just like us. And I don't know if it's me, I don't know if it's a slightly uh, perverse pleasure, but I sometimes enjoy reading about the great men in the Bible who have bad days. Anyone else? Because I kind of think, well, if Elijah had a bad day, I I can go easy on myself a little bit. Anyone with me? Elijah is having a really bad day. In fact, he is at his lowest point. Elijah is full of fear. Um, He's full of depression. He's even come to a place where he's suicidal. He's lost all sense of purpose, all sense of motivation. He's come to a place of complete exhaustion where he can't go on. Now, you may have never got to a, a, a point like Elijah has, but I'm sure that they, uh, what I've just described are emotions that all of us have felt from time to time. All of us have felt fear. All of us have been in a low place. All of us have, have wondered, what on earth am I doing with my life? All of us have come to that place from time to time where we just feel exhausted or drained. You, you can agree with me this morning, so I don't feel like I'm on my own. Anyone else? God sends Elijah an angel and the angel comes and touches him and strengthens him and gives him bread and water. Um, it, it's interesting, some of you will know that the, uh, the word angel means messenger. And it's interesting that God sends Elijah a messenger and Jezebel sends Elijah a messenger. Both Jezebel or, or Satan and God both send Elijah a messenger. Jezebel's messenger brings fear. God's messenger brings strength. God, Satan's messenger, leads Elijah to a place of isolation. He leaves his servant behind. He says, I'm going out in the desert. I don't want to be with anyone. God's messenger touches him. There's fellowship. There's a human touch. Satan's messenger leaves Elijah feeling empty and drained. God's messenger brings bread and water, feeds him, satisfies him. The implication is that it's actually supernatural food, supernatural drink, because it gives him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights. The messengers that we allow into our lives are incredibly important. Because whether we understand it or not, the truth is that Satan still today wants to send messengers into your life. It could be another person. It could be an app on your phone. It could be the news, whatever it may be, but we are daily bombarded with messengers in our lives that leave us fearful, that leave us drained and empty and isolated. 
But God also sends us his messengers. God sends voices into our lives that make us strong, that gives us faith, that encourages to fellowship, that gives it, that feeds us, that satisfies us. And we have to discern what the source of the messengers are that come into our lives. And we have to cut off the, the, the messages that come from Jezebel and embrace the messages that come from God. Even now as I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit, maybe for some of you, is highlighting, you know what? Yeah, when, when I am around that person, I, I, they, they just fill me with fear. When I'm around that person, I just feel drained. But when I'm around that person, or I'm listening to that podcast, or I'm listening to that music, I feel full of faith, I feel full of life, I feel full of courage. And maybe God is saying to us right now, actually recognize that that is a messenger that I need you to separate from and that is a messenger that I've sent to feed you that I've uh, that I, I've sent to, to fill you and give you life Proverbs tells us a wicked messenger falls into trouble but a trustworthy messenger brings healing light in a messenger's eyes brings joy to the heart and good news gives health to the bones a good messenger brings joy a good messenger brings healing. A good messenger brings strength. We have to recognize what the good voices, the good messages are and embrace them and separate ourselves from the damaging, harmful messages. So Elijah, get, he has this encounter with an angel. He gets bread and water, probably supernatural. It gives him strength. He travels 40 days, 40 nights to get to the mountain. Why does he need to get to the mountain? Because although an encounter with an angel is good, there are some things that can only be fixed by glory. Although a, a, a messenger from God is good, there are some things that can only change when his presence passes by. There are some things that can only, we, there are some things that we can only be delivered from in the mouth of the cave when we have an encounter with God. And Elijah comes to that place of encounter. And it's, it's a well-known story. There's a, what is it first? It's a wind, isn't it? Mighty wind. But it says God was not in the wind. Then there's the earthquake, but it says God was not in the earthquake. And then there's the fire, and it says that God is not in the fire. And then there's a still, small voice. And at that, Elijah's spiritual antennae pricks up. And he says, I think that's God. And he positions himself for an encounter. I've heard some people preach on this scripture and They'll say things like this, when God speaks, he always speaks in a gentle whisper. Or they'll say things like, oh, God is, God is not in the fire, God is not in the wind, God is not in the, the earthquake. God is only ever in the still small voice. But actually, that's not true. Actually, on the pages of the Bible you see that God on many occasions is in the wind. Last week we celebrated Pentecost. 
And what was the sound that they heard on the day of Pentecost? A mighty rushing wind. You better believe that God was in the wind on the day of Pentecost. It was the wind that breathed in uh, power and resurrection life. It was the wind that ushered in the, the glory, the Holy Spirit coming to dwell within them. God is in the wind. God is in the earthquake. The book of Hebrews tells us at that time his voice shook the earth. But now his promise once more will I not only shake the earth but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That is created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The Bible tells us that in the last days God is in the earthquake. God says that in the last days, he is causing an earthquake and he is shaking everything. Who knows that is happening right now. Governments are being shaken. Media is being shaken. Economies are being shaken. Our lives are being shaken. God is in the earthquake and he is shaking everything so that the only thing that cannot be shaken, his kingdom will remain. So that the kingdoms of our world will become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. God is in the earthquake and God is in the fire. Don't need me to tell you that, do you, Pentecostals? He was in the fire, in the burning bush, in Exodus. In in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, it says, our God is the only God who speaks out of fire. Jeremiah said, your word is like a fire shut up in my bones. I could go on and on. God is in the fire. God is in the wind. God is in the earthquake. So what is God showing us here? He's showing us that not only does God speak to you, but God is so gracious and so kind that he will communicate to you not only the word that you need to hear, but how you need to hear it. Elijah's depressed and suicidal. If an earthquake turns up, it's probably going to send him over the edge. Literally. Elijah needed that tender, gentle voice from God. God is so gracious this morning that not only will he speak to every person here, but he will speak exactly, not only the word you need to hear, but exactly how you need to hear it. There's not one way that God will speak to us all today. He will speak to us all differently. But that is how good God is. If you need the whisper, he will whisper to you today. If you need the fire, he's got fire for you. If you need a mighty rushing wind, he will will come like a mighty rushing wind. If you need a shaking, he will shake you. However you need him to speak, he will do it. He will be it. So sometimes, I don't know about anyone else, sometimes I want the whisper, but I get the fire. (laughs) Sometimes I want the fire, I get the whisper. But he knows me better than I even know myself. He knows you exactly how you, more than you know yourself. He will speak and communicate to us all exactly how 
We need him to speak to us today. He is so good and so kind and so gracious. The truth is that there are many sounds in the Bible that God uses to communicate and to speak to his people. In the Garden of Eden, he is in the sound of footsteps. And it was a sound of footsteps that was a signal. God is here. He wants to speak to you. He wants to talk to you. In the book of Exodus, you read about the sound of bells that were on the garments of the high priest. And and the sound of bells, it was a signal that the high priest was at work in the Holy of Holies. On Mount Sinai, when God's children were at the bottom of the mountain, from the top there came the sound of a ram's horn. And it was the sound of the ram's horn that God was saying, you can come up the mountain into my presence, into my glory. In the book of Revelation, it says that his voice is like the sound of rushing waters. Bringing life, bringing refreshing, bringing revival. In the book of Zephaniah, God is described as a singer. And he's singing a song of love. He's singing a song of joy over me and you. In Amos, he's described as a lion. His voice, it says in Amos 3, the lion has roared. Who will not fear? The sovereign Lord has spoken. Who cannot prophesy? It says there that God is in the roar of a lion. And when you hear the lion roaring, you will respond. You will either cower in fear or you will begin to prophesy and speak his word. Psalm 29 describes the voice of God as being like thunder. One of my favorite psalms, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the, the mighty waters. It says in that psalm that his voice breaks the cedars, which were the strongest type of tree. It, it says his voice causes Mount Hermon, one of the big mountains in Israel, to skip like a calf. In other words, his voice moves mountains. His voice removes obstacles. Things that cannot be moved naturally move at the sound of his voice. I love it in verse 8. It says, the voice of the Lord shakes the desert. And if you look up that word shake in the the Hebrew, it's the Hebrew word hyal, which means to turn in a circle. It can also mean uh, to move like when a woman moves in childbirth. It says his voice shakes the desert. What is a desert? His, a desert is something that's barren. A desert is something that, something that is empty. There's no life. There's no fruit there. But the picture here is the voice of the Lord coming like thunder. And it's causing new things to grow in the desert. It's causing life to come into the wasteland. It's causing fruit to come into the barren areas. It's a voice, a sound that turns things, that changes things that that is able to change and transform any life and any circumstance hallelujah you see God communicates in all these ways bells footsteps ram's horns rivers lions fire wind earthquakes thunder all of it God is a noisy God Trying to get our attention. But this is what Hebrews 1 says. In the past, 
God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But, what are the various ways? All the things we've talked about. But, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. All these descriptions, all these metaphors, all these images, they all find their fulfillment in Jesus. God speaks through Jesus. Jesus is the answer to every life in this place. He is the answer to every need. He is the answer to every question. Jesus is the mighty rushing wind who blows away doubt and fear. Jesus is the earthquake who changes us so our lives are never the same again. Jesus is the fire that burns within us. Jesus is the footsteps in the garden that says, I want to be your friend. Jesus is the bell on the garment of the high priest saying, I'm here and I'm at work. Jesus is the ram's horn saying, you can come up into my throne room. Jesus is the rushing waters who brings life and healing. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah who causes a response when we hear his voice. Jesus is the singer of all of the greatest song of all. Jesus is the thunder who moves mountains and brings life to the wilderness. Jesus is the messenger who brings joy and healing. Jesus is the one who knocks at the door saying let me come in and fellowship with you. Jesus is the one whose blood speaks mercy, grace and forgiveness. Jesus is here and Jesus is speaking. Jesus is the answer for depressed, fearful, broken prophets. Jesus' words are the antidote to Satan's lies. It's Jesus' words that sustain and hold all things together. It's Jesus' words who are spirit and life. In the beginning was the word Jesus. The word was with God. The word was God. In the, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him, in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. That was a mistake Elijah made. Elijah thought that life was ministry. That's why when his ministry was going wrong, he said, take my life, I'm no good. But life is not what we do for God. Life is not our successes or failures. He is life. So, nearly finished. A sound of a gentle whisper. Some translations say the sound of a still, small voice. Neither of those are great translations. The Hebrew is this, hol damama daka. And it means this, the sound of a thin silence. 
the sound of silence. That's why the translators don't know how to translate it, because it doesn't make sense. How can silence have a sound? Well, it can when it's Jesus, because he is the word. Even when he's silent, he's communicating. In fact, his silence speaks louder than the loudest voice. Have you ever been alone with someone? And you're so comfortable with them that you can sit in absolute silence. And yet in the silence, there is being communicated love and trust and friendship. I wonder when the last time was we had a whole Damama Daka moment with Jesus. You see, you don't always have to pray. You don't always have to sing. You don't always have to come with your shopping list. Sometimes you can just be there. And do you know what? Sometimes we have to chill out and recognize that if we don't hear his voice or if we don't get a scripture or if we don't get an incredible revelation or we don't get that word of direction, our prayer time is not a failure. Just being with him and absorbing his presence is enough. I want to encourage you this week to have a moment, a thin silence with God. When we shut out all the noise and all the distractions and all the other messengers and we just get alone with him. A, a, a man of God that I know, he describes it like this, living stillness. Stillness that is pregnant with his presence. Stillness that is hope-filled, joy-filled, life-filled, being with him. Remember a while back I took Judah, my oldest son, to, for a day out. And um, we, we kind of made it our ambition to see how many ice creams we would eat in, in one day. I think we had about three or four each. We went to the zoo, we saw all the animals, we went to a, a restaurant for, for a meal, we, we, it was a, we had a fun day and on the way back I said to him, uh, Judah, what was your favourite part of today? I thought he'd say the lions or the tigers or the food or the ice cream and he said, uh, Daddy, it was just fun being with you. you see, sometimes presence is enough. And right now, I want us just to stand and just got a couple minutes left. Gerald, will you just come and play for us? Hold the mama daka, the sound of a thin silence, living stillness.
It was in the stillness that Elijah recognized this is God. This is God. Just being with him. Some of you have heard this story before, but forgive me if you have. Brennan Manning tells a story of an old man who was dying of cancer. The man's daughter had asked a local priest to come and pray with her father. When the priest arrived, he found the man lying in bed with his head popped up on two pillows and an empty chair beside his bed. The priest assumed that the old fellow had been informed of his visit. I guess you're expecting me, he said. No, who are you? I'm the new associate at your parish, the priest replied. When I saw the empty chair, I I figured you knew I was going to show up. Oh yeah, the chair, said the bedridden man. Would you mind closing the door? Puzzled, the priest shut the door. I've never told anyone this, not even my daughter, said the man, but all my life I've never known how to pray. At the Sunday Mass, I used to hear the pastor talk about prayer, but it always went right over my head. I abandoned any attempt at prayer, the old man continued, until one day about four years ago, my best friend said to me, Joe, prayer is just a simple matter of having a conversation with Jesus. Here's what I suggest. Sit down on a chair, place an empty chair in front of you, and in faith, see Jesus on the chair. It's not spooky because he promised I'll be with you always. Then just speak to him and listen in the same way you're doing with me right now. So Father, I tried it and I've liked it so much that I do it a couple of hours every day. I'm careful though. If my daughter ever saw me talking to an empty chair, she'd either have a nervous breakdown or send me off to the funny farm. The priest was deeply moved by the story and encouraged the old guy to continue on the journey. He prayed with him, anointed with him with oil and returned to, to, to home. Two nights later, the daughter called to tell the priest that her daddy had died that afternoon. Did he seem to die in peace, he asked. Yes, when I left the house around two o'clock, he called me over to his bedside, told me one of his corny jokes and kissed me on the cheek. When I got back from the store an hour later, I found him dead. There was something strange, Father. In fact, beyond strange, kind of weird. Just before Daddy died, he leaned over and he rested his head on the empty chair beside the bed. Hall Damama Daka, living stillness. Elijah stand in the mouth of the cave because the Lord is about to pass by. I pray this week you will find the empty chair. I pray this week you will rest your head on the lap of Jesus. I pray this week you will shut out all the noise and distractions and discover the living stillness of being alone with him. And I pray right now as I close that in this moment, as we just close our eyes and as we just raise our hands to heaven, that the presence of God will pass by in this place.